I was having an epiphany and I went to the beach and I'm just thinking about Jesus. I'm like, how could I not have realized this whole time I was missing Jesus? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side of the spirit world and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve his will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this show with anyone that you feel might be encouraged by it too. Quick disclaimer, what we can agree on here is that we love Jesus and he is our Lord and Savior. I don't filter what my guests say, so there will most likely be something along the way that you don't agree with, and that's okay. I highly recommend spending time researching and praying about anything that gets said that might trouble you. With all that said, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. What's up, everybody? Today we're speaking with Sarah Weingarten otherwise known on YouTube as Sarah Speaks Up, about her testimony of being freed from a spirit of rebellion, alcohol abuse, suicidal thoughts, the New Age belief system, relationship addiction, and more. Jesus first saved her at age 19. She was on fire and living for him, but the devil subtly creeped in and convinced her the world was better. After years of trying to fill herself with worldly things, and ending up just completely empty and exhausted, she finally found her way home to Jesus and realized how desperately she was missing him all along. Sarah now knows that he is our one true healer, and only through Christ can our lives really change for the better. Without further ado, let's get on to the show. Good afternoon, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yes. So I have been watching your YouTube channel. It's called Sarah Speaks Up, Uh, and on here, you're sharing a lot about your testimony. You're sharing your music, which is so amazing. It's literally chills. Like I was sending it to my husband this morning. So good. So I just, I love how God is using you, um, and I love how he's just given you the confidence to be sharing your testimony. So I'm excited to uh, have you on today to hear a little bit more about that. Awesome. Well, uh, should I just get right into it? Yeah, I think so. I would like to just give you the floor here if you'd like to sort of go back to the beginning and fill us in. Okay. So going back to the beginning, uh, I grew up in a Christian household, born again, believing. And growing up, I was, you know, going to Sunday school, taught to memorize the Bible. So I, I had this foundation. And even though I saw it all around me. I genuinely remember having a connection to Jesus as a small girl. Mm. And it's not something I could explain, but I had a desire to tell people about Jesus and share the gospel. Mm. 
And I have these little booklets. They're called Chick Tracks. Okay. And they're like little comic books. And then it leads you to the gospel at the end. Wow. Yeah. And um, I would hand them out to everyone. Sometimes, you know, they'd come to my parents. and They'd be like, oh, your daughter's giving me this, you know. So God was using me at a young age to proclaim his name. And the enemy swooped in as soon as he could to put a stop on that. Mm. And how that happened was being exposed to sexuality through staying up late, watching Showtime and HBO when my parents didn't know, Um, hearing things that I shouldn't have heard. You know, my parents weren't super strict around the, the home. There was a lot of horror movies playing. I mean, Chucky traumatized me as a kid (laughs) and those things have effects. They open up doors and parents don't realize how powerful music, TV, um, the things they say around kids, how it gets your imagination going and your curiosity going. That's so true. Even adults, like we're still sensitive and susceptible, but especially children. Yes. Yeah. And something I just thought of, my parents had a whole bookshelf of Christian books. And one of the books was a Christian book about um, sexuality. Mm-hmm. Now, but now I had access to that. So even something that is Christian, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the enemy will use anything. Yes. I actually remember hearing you say something like that in your original testimony video about like researching sex anytime that you could. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never heard anybody say that. And I was also obsessive about that as a little girl because like I heard my parents talk about it. I saw it on 8 Mile, you know, and then my grandparents had all these encyclopedias and I would pull out the S book and I would go to my room and I would read about all of that. And yeah, I was very obsessive about it very young too. And that was definitely a seed that was planted in my life as well. Wow. So. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. And uh, as soon as my hormones hit, I was around like 12 or 13. I was boy crazy. My number one goal was boys, boys, boys. Mm -hmm. And the music I was listening to was totally feeding into this. It was Britney Spears, Mariah Carey. Yeah. And (laughs) Mariah Carey was the gateway drug into rap music for me. Okay. So then I got into all these rappers that were talking about very dirty things like Lil Kim and what have you. So now I'm this 13 year old girl in a very white town and I take on this whole persona like I'm a thug and a gangster. (laughs) And my parents are like, what is going on with her? Yeah, wow. And, And it's like, I was trying to find my identity. Yeah. You know, and Eminem was really big at the time too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny to hear you say that, like growing up in a Christian household, but yet you still, through the music and the media, took on this persona because I attribute it to like all my dad dated was strippers. So, like, I got introduced to, you know, the rap music and the sexiness through them. Um, but even growing up in a Christian household, you can still be influenced by the world like that, like those seeds can still get planted. Um, and it wasn't your parents doing. Yeah. In fact, my, my mom didn't want me to get Britney Spears's first CD and, you know, I made a big fit over it and eventually got my way and it became, I became very rebellious. So throughout from 13 to 14 was 
one of my worst years mm. as a person, as um, I was a bad girl, like not getting into drugs or alcohol even, but I would sneak out at night. I would meet up with boys in the woods, like dangerous things. You're giving me the chills. You're like telling my story here. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we parallel a lot. We have so many. Yeah, I feel you. That's why I told you the first time I met you. I'm like, I just feel like I know you. Like we're the same in so many ways. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to keep interrupting though. I'm just so no. excited because I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And I know that there's girls out there who are feeling that way too. Yeah. And it was like, I was one of those girls in the Jerry Springer show, Yay! not the Jerry, but like the Maury show that the troubled teenagers with yeah. the bandana and like, <laughs> uh, I totally get that. I, I loved those shows as a kid too. <laughs> Me too. But, um, so anyway, I was doing these things. I was getting into shoplifting. I started stealing from people at school. Like just, mm. I, got high on doing bad things. It gave me a rush. Yeah. And whenever I got punished or reprimanded, I did not take it seriously. I did not respect any authority. Mm -hmm. And I just thought I was so tough. Like, I, I don't know. It was a spirit, really. It was a spirit over me. A rebellion. Yeah, yeah. big time. And then me and my friends, we were both so annoyed with our parents trying to control us. We're like, let's run away. She said, my aunt has a place in Queens, New York. We can go live with her. So I'm like, all right. And the next morning we got caught. Yeah. And um, my parents said to me, they're like, in a week, we're sending you away to Texas because we don't know how to control you. And this is like a rehabilitation for troubled teenagers. Yeah. It's Christian based. Um, you'll go to counseling church, you'll get on medication if you need it. Yeah. And I didn't believe them. I'm like, yeah, right. You're sending me away. You know, yeah. one week later I was on that plane and I kid you not, my eyes were so swollen from crying. I could barely see because wow. they had broken the wild horse at this point. Yes. So this was, was helpful for you at all. Yes, it was. It, there was a lot of pros and cons to this place. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you the pros first. It humbled me. I had time to think about how badly I treated my parents, how good they have been to me. And I just totally disrespected them. Yeah. And another good thing is I formed genuine friends. Like I learned how to form genuine connections with people. Mm -hmm. And and open my heart up to talk about pain and all these things I was putting on a front before. Now I was totally open to the pain, but almost too open where it began, it began to consume me and I didn't know how to process it. And my only negative feedback of this ministry, even though they're, they're changing lives, they were giving me medication. Like it was candy. If mm -hmm. I, said, Oh, my moods are off mood stabilizer. Oh, you know, I feel this way. Antidepressant. Wow. That's surprising too, with it being a Christian organization that they would, that they would be doing that. Yeah. And, um, I don't want to talk down about it because it did change my life. It could have saved my life, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, the medication had an effect on me and I began to feel very numb Yep. And I remember seeing some other girls cutting themselves and I needed to feel something. So I said, maybe I'll try that and just see how it feels. And I loved it. 
I became very obsessive about it. And this is the first time I felt addiction to something. Mm. And I would carry a box cutter knife on me at all times in case I felt anxious or just the need to do that. Mm. And I would hide it. I wasn't doing it for attention. And it, um, at one point it became very demonic. Like I would almost not audibly hear something, but I would feel something coercing me Mm. to do it. Wow. And I would carve things into myself. Like I hate love. I have, I carved help into myself Mm. and it was just, um, it was getting to a point where it was alarming to people who would see it. Yeah. And um, eventually I came home and I continued doing it while I was back in New York now. And um, a lot of people were saying like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, do you need to go to a psych ward or something? And I realized I needed to stop because I didn't want to end up in a psych ward. Yes. Okay. So I started smoking weed. And at this point, everything was cool with my parents. There was no more, you know, rebellion or fighting. But I felt so dark inside. I was consumed by this emptiness. And I wasn't suicidal, but I just felt no purpose of life. And I don't remember going to church that much. I was resistant against it. I still believed in God, but it was like in the way background of my mind. And I started smoking a lot of weed and this became my new addiction. And this carried on until about, say, 18, 19 years old. Basically, I had to be high all the time. Otherwise, I like I couldn't process life. Yeah. So I have a question on on that. Like when you're cutting, you you started cutting because you were on all this medicine and you wanted to feel something, anything. When you started smoking, was your intention with weed a little bit different? Like, was it still to feel something or was this now going into like numbing, feeling anything? Uh, Good question. So I was off most of the meds. I was still on Adderall. Okay. And, um, I would smoke weed for both reasons to, to feel something and also to numb myself out. Yeah. So it functioned both ways. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. So, uh, now at this point I started to explore other drugs and nothing stuck. Thank God. But I was looking for something. I was searching for something more because I realized like this, this can't be it, you know? And I don't know what compelled me to go to church one day with my parents, but they were going. Maybe I was feeling really low, but I said, yeah, I'm just going to tag along, you know, not thinking anything of it. You were 19 and at this point. say it again. You're 19 at this point. I'm 19 at this point. Yes. And the preacher is speaking on how Satan uses the things of this world to blind us from receiving the ultimate joy, peace, and love that God has to offer us. And when he said that, it's like his words could not get out of my head. 
And I came home. I'm still thinking about what he said. And I go to light up my, my homemade gravity bong. And as I'm taking the hit, actually, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is what Satan is using right now to keep me blinded. Wow. And right then is when the scales fell off my eyes. And I look around my room covered in Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, my idols. And I, I realized this too is all blinding me. Wow. Ugh. And the Holy Spirit came down on me hard in that moment. And I was repenting, crying out for Jesus. I surrender, take over my life. And I was born again in that moment. It was so powerful. And I remember running upstairs, telling my parents, I'm saved. Jesus saved me. I'm, I'm different. I feel different. The, the emptiness, I don't feel it. The depression, the numbness, it's mm -hmm. all gone like in a second. And I was addicted to cigarettes and my addiction to weed, all gone in a moment. Cold turkey, got rid of it all. Wow. So you said your relationship with your parents was already pretty chill at this point. Um, but how did it change? Did it just like deepen in intimacy after you were saved? Or like, how did that look like with your parents? It definitely deepened. Uh, they were in awe of this. And to the rest of my family, like my uncles and aunts and my grandmother, they were just, they could see a miracle yeah. in me because it was a night and day difference. I was like this gothic emo, mm. uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm filled with the joy and now I can't shut up about Jesus. Wow. So and I have a little sister who I'm I'm already like planning on how I'm going to send this podcast to her and I know she's going to hear me say this right now and I'm thinking about her cuz I've been pleading you know, I've been pleading the case of Jesus to her and, you know, she's went away to, um, what are those called? The behavior modification kind of centers and the family knows she's just struggling. And I keep telling her about Jesus and how he can be the one to help her and to fill her and give her what she's looking for. She's restless. I see she's restless and I know she needs change. And like you just explained, that change can only come through Jesus and a direct encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that can make this, this sort of deep, deep change. And I just, I just want my family to know that and hear that too. Amen. And may this be used to, to plant seeds and glorify the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're in a relationship and trying to figure out if he's the one, or maybe you're recently single and taking a step back to figure out how to best go about finding the one, I have the ebook for you. Head over to the link in my bio or in the comment section from wherever you're listening to find my latest ebook, How to Know If He's the One. In this ebook, I share the worst of my relational mistakes and how Jesus finally showed me there was a better way. Gradually, he began to mend my heart, and I know he will do the same for you too. I know the next part of your testimony is like, now you're on fire. Like you're on fire for God. I love the audacity I heard in your, your video. You're like, I told the, the pastor I needed to share this on stage and he let me. 
<laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. So, uh, yeah, I, the next week I tell the pastor, I'm like, your message, you know, I, I went home, I got saved, this, that, the other thing. I have to tell everyone now. I have to shout it from the rooftops. And he's like, by all means. And as I'm giving my testimony, you know, everyone's listening. And I see this one girl around my age get up and like run out crying. Mm. And I know it touched her. And uh, after that, a man comes up to me and he says, what just happened to you also just happened to me. And hey, you want to go and hand out tracks together and witness? And I said, absolutely. Like, let's, let's do this. And, and just as a, a side note, I wrote a letter I typed out a letter and I mailed it to all of my friends and everyone I knew telling them what had happened to me. Oh. Yeah, I still have the letter. And uh, basically the, the general theme was you're going to search everywhere in this world for something to fill you and bring you peace and you're never going to find it in this world. Oh my gosh, I need to write some letters. I'm inspired by that. <laughs> And I ended the letter with probably my favorite verse, uh, Philippians 3, 7. I count everything as loss compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus. Ooh. Yeah. So did so, you respond to this? Oh, I, I got some responses. Yeah. Um, some people were just like, oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about it. Some of them were like, I, I don't want to hear anything about this. Yep. And some of them were in tears over it because they were touched by the message. Hmm. So now the going back to um, the guy I started seeing, we mm -hmm. eventually ended up getting married because you know how Christians move, you yep. know, you, one, two, three. And uh, we ended up getting married and I'm like, this is too good to be true. Everything's so perfect. And we struggled to find a church and root into a church. Mm -hmm. So we would hop around a lot. And in retrospect, I don't think that's good. I think it's good for people to plant down into a church and get involved yeah. and have Christian relationships. Uh, so that was something we lacked. We yeah. didn't understand the importance of a prayer life. Uh, this is something that I think it's one of the most important things in a Christian's walk is a prayer lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And we just didn't do that enough. So as the years went by, even though we were proclaiming Christians, we were getting into worldly music, didn't think it was a big deal. Um, we would go out and drink a lot together, didn't think it was a big deal. You know, we weren't alcoholics. As any 20-year-old would, he might think. Yeah, you know, just enjoying life. Nothing wrong with it. But um, little by little, the worldly things became more prevalent in our life than the holy things. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really want Christians to hear is it's okay to enjoy your life. Like we're, we're here, we're in the world, but we're not of it. We're called to be set apart. Mm -hmm. And as a couple we began to slowly drift apart. I feel like it didn't become the mirror of Christ in the church that it should have been. Yeah. And that's what a marriage is about. 
Yeah. It's your ministry, you know, like that, that relationship and how well you love each other. Like, even if I don't say a word, if people can see just like my husband and I's love for each other, like in public settings, like that is like our primary way of showing them how God is good. And like, he can do this in in a marriage if you keep drawing close to him. Yeah. So I, I totally hear that. Yeah. And I like that you called it your first ministry because some married people have other ministries and they put that before their marriage in the name of God. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, fast forward to now I'm like around my mid twenties and we've been married a few years and we had a particularly hard year. And it makes me think of the parable where when the seeds get planted and the thorns come up and like crush it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good depiction of what's about to happen now. Mm-hmm. Because um, my cat died, who was like my child. Then he broke his knee and had to, it went through a really horrible, you know, rehabilitation process for his knee. And decided that smoking weed would be a better idea than taking pain meds Mm. because we were very holistic minded. So I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. And then I was like, "Mm, weed, you know, I used to smoke weed. I wonder if I'd be okay doing it again. And yeah, again, the enemy creeping in. Yep. Very subtly too, this time with a very rational explanation. (laughs) Exactly. So we started smoking weed and after that, um, we started getting into more worldly concerts. Like we went to a Miley Cyrus concert, Lana Del Rey, like now I'm starting to idolize all these people and it's subliminally like affecting me now, the more I would listen to this music. And he comes at me one day saying, you know, I, I was going over the Bible and some things just aren't adding up. I, I really, I think this is made up. And I was like, oh, no, you did not just tell me that you don't believe anymore. And I was very distraught over it at first. But then I started to think, well, maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe I should be more open-minded. And yeah. And so like, like you said, you guys, you guys weren't reading the Bible together you weren't talking to God. So God wasn't, you weren't giving him the opportunity to continue to disciple you and build your faith. Um, and so that, that relationship just began to, to dwindle. Um, so I, I understand how that, how that would have happened. Yeah. And, uh, and eventually we proclaimed the statement, we don't believe anymore. And our families, both very Christian families, were like, wow, we cannot believe you guys are saying this. And now I'm like, well, I'm free. I can believe in myself. I'm an empowered individual. And this false deception of freedom came over us where we can just do whatever we want now. And um, he actually wanted to explore a swinger's lifestyle. Mm. And this started to put thoughts in my mind of, oh, like other people involved. And during this time also, I started to drink more heavily and it began to become my crutch. Um, So that picked up and now this rebellious spirit came back to me 
Mm. The one that I used to have, I started to feel that like, I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. And it made me feel empty, but I was denying that. And I got to a point where I did not love him anymore. And I started to resent him and he would talk very down to me and belittle me. Mm. So it was just the spirit of God was totally out of our marriage now and it crumbled yeah. and I wanted a divorce. I said to him, if I don't get divorced, I'm going to kill myself. I'm so unhappy with you. You know, I just want to be free. I just want to be on my own. Yeah. So we ended up splitting and this is now after seven years of being married, we didn't have any kids. And, um, I was about 27 at the time. I went to live with my, one of my family members and I wanted to just be wild and explore myself. I cut off all my hair. I started dating women. I was dating couples, getting into poly things. I just had no boundaries anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But the only boundary I did have was that I lived with my family and I worked with my family who I told you were Christians. Yeah. So you had that so, level of like not influence as much as like you said, accountability, you know, just in that they see what you're doing. Totally. So now I get an urge to get away from my family. Yeah. And I decided to move to a town called Asheville in North Carolina, which is, um, has more breweries per capita than anywhere in the U S it's total Mm -hmm. musicians town. And it's like hippies and new age and weirdos and free spirits. I'm like, oh, this is perfect for me to go express myself. Yeah. You know, so this was, this was the peak of where I lost all my boundaries, basically. And when I moved there, it was only for three months, but I became so consuming of drinking and sex and partying it like never ended because there was somewhere to go every night yeah so my I would stay up till four wake up at one and do it again and again consecutively and my drinking got to the point where I would start drinking when I woke up and then I'd bring a thermos with me to work and I didn't think it was a problem yeah so this makes me think of the TikTok. I don't know if you've seen it where it's like uh, somebody who's like living in a terrible way and they're like, eh, like everybody wants to live this life. What do you think? <laughs> and, and that's how it is. Like culture paints this as like something that everybody should want to do. You know, the partying, the sleeping around. That's the message in media, on movies and music that like this is the thing. This is it. This is what everybody should want to do. But this fun is what ends up destroying you. You know, you think you're having fun. It's just fun in the moment. But like on the back end, it's slowly destroying you. Yeah, totally. And uh, I was putting myself in dangerous positions for sure. So I told you I'd go out dancing a lot. And one time a girl invited me to go-go dance for her business that she was starting. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's not stripping, you know, you're just dancing like in a sexy outfit for this, these guys. And, you know, it's fun. You'll make some money. And I was desperate for money at the time because I was going in debt with all the spending I was doing down there. Yeah. So I tried it. It felt very dark for me, but 
even though I said no to that, doors started, more doors opened up. Someone asked me if I wanted to be a stripper. Then someone who sold pictures of themselves and videos of themselves said, oh, you should try this. So it's like the enemy was really trying to pull me down different roads. And showing you all these sparkly, all these sparkly things that maybe you might want. Yeah, totally. And um, I started to get this feeling of deep, deep unhappiness, which was very confusing because I thought that I was living my ultimate best life. Mm-hmm. And the reason I know that I was so empty is because I started to have these thoughts replay in my mind of just driving off one of the mountains and thinking to myself, well, people wouldn't think I killed myself. They would think it's just an accident. Mm. And I would catch myself in these thoughts. I'm like, why am I even thinking about killing myself? Like, you know. The suicidal thoughts came back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what made me go back home to New York was this experience. I, I would invite random people to sleep over all the time. And one time I invited someone, slept over. And when I woke up in the morning, a lot of my stuff was missing. And it's because I was getting involved with dirtbag people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it until that morning. I'm like, wow, I am just, I'm becoming a dirtbag, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hanging out with them. I'm, I'm seeing how, I'm seeing the trajectory of my life right now. And I don't want this. Yeah. And the fruits. You're seeing yes. those, those rotten fruits. <laughs> yep. Yep. And my grandmother texts me like within a few days saying, you know, we could really use you back at the store. You know, it's a family business we have up in New York. Could really use you for Christmas. And I I took that as a sign right away. And I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm going back home. I want my mommy. I'm done partying. I had enough. (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of like your scared straight moment. (laughs) Yeah. I had one of those too. So I get it. Sometimes we need that to, to come to repentance eventually. Totally. So I I did all my partying. I've been there, done it, seen it. And now I come home and I'm tired. The level of exhaustion that I felt was, I can't even put it in words. I didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't want to go out. And then I got to a point where I didn't even really want to work. I just didn't want to see my family, anyone. And I moved in with um, a boyfriend that I started seeing, I moved in with him and I kind of fell off the face of the earth. I deleted all my social media. I told him, can you just stop drinking with me? We smoked a lot of weed, but um, I just didn't want anything to do with anything anymore. And that's when I got into new age. Mm. But how it started was I bought a crystal from one of my friends who had an Etsy shop. And I didn't believe in any of this. I thought it was all silly, people putting crystals on their bodies. Yeah. But I said, you know what? I'm going to support her Etsy shop. And it's a pretty pink, you know, rose quartz. And the more I would look at it, I'd be like, oh, this has a meaning, right? Oh, self-love. Oh, that makes me feel nice. I wonder what the other ones mean. I start to research it. Before you know it, on YouTube, these pick-a-cards are coming up in front of me. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, oh, I'm just curious. Of course, it's dead on accurate. And I started. Demons are, they see you, they know what message to deliver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And 
I was seeking healing. I was seeking relief from everything I've just done, all the the yeah. worldliness I just done. Now I wanted something spiritual. I was hungry for spirituality. Yes. But I didn't really see the power, the supernatural power of Christ yeah. around me. So I didn't think to go that route. And I started to research tarot cards and crystals and Reiki and all these uh, meditations and whatnot. And I thought I had found it. Gonna take a quick second here to tell you about Raised and Redeemed merch. I somehow end up in my bright pink Raised and Redeemed crew neck nearly every day because it's so comfy and I love to tell the world that I have been raised and redeemed in Jesus' name. And wearing something that says that is a great conversation starter. Not only do we have crewnecks, but we also have t-shirts, hoodies, cropped hoodies, mugs, stickers, socks, and more. You can either follow the link titled Raised and Redeemed Merch in the comment section of wherever you're listening, click the link in any of my social media bios, or go to Raised and Redeemed, and that's spelled out, RaisedAndRedeemed.CreatorSlashSpring.com to order yours and support the show today. All right. So we're moving into the part of your testimony where you're realizing now that you need healing and you're seeking spirituality. Um, but of course, of course, we can't give Jesus a, a chance yet. I, I went through the same exact thing of when I realized I needed healing and getting into all of the new age stuff. Um, and what I've come to realize, you know, in sharing other stories with other Christians who sort of went through this is it's like, because if I were to become a real Christian, there's so much sacrifice that comes with that of laying down all your sins. And I knew I wasn't ready to do that, um, to give up that old life fully. I wanted to heal and I wanted God, but I still wanted to do it my way. Um, so that was a big part of me falling into the new age. I don't know if you can relate to that, but um, I'm excited to hear a little bit about what that was like for you in the new age, if it was all you thought it would be. Totally. And just to expand upon what you just said, uh, another reason I didn't want to go the Christian route is because I viewed Christians as closed-minded, judgmental. How dare you say, you know, that being gay is a sin? How, you know, so I understand what it's like to be in that mindset. And I didn't want to be associated with Christianity, but now Jesus was a spirit guide to me, one mm -hmm. of them. And wow, so I was able to entertain that, like that he was a spirit guide. I remember when I was deep in the new age, or at least starting that even the name Jesus sent me into like a panic attack. I had so much like, I don't know, disdain towards Christianity and Jesus. So that's, that's interesting because I know a lot of New Agers do still see him as a spirit guide. Right. And uh, I had multiple spirit guides, apparently, but these were all, in essence, demonic forces around me. But in no way could I ever see that. I was so deceived. And... I uh, I wanted more. The thing with New Age is it's like a drug. You you just keep wanting more and more. Well, now I'm a Reiki master. Now I want this. Now I want to take you know hallucinogenics. So I ended up taking um, a yoga training because 
Now I associate as a healer and a light worker. So I want to be able to teach people this. And I'm still with a boyfriend at the time, but the the woman who taught the yoga class, her and I hit it off and we fell in love. We broke up with our boyfriends. And now in our minds, we're twin flames, mm. which in the new age world is when a soul splits into two bodies. Yep. I thought I had one too. And he was definitely a demon in disguise or a demon was using him. <laughs> yeah. So um, we just, her and I further deceived each other yeah. by doing this. And now I'm saying to everyone, I'm a lesbian. I never liked men. This is why nothing with men ever worked out for me because yeah. I'm truly a lesbian. And what's it called? So we ended up getting matching tattoos. We're telling our families we might get married, you know, just be ready for this. And six months later, well, stop for a second. She had a friend who was a psychic. Now I've never been to a psychic before. I've only done the online things. Mm -hmm. And I was always a little weary about psychics because I believed in this stuff. Like I know that I took it seriously. Yeah. Like so, but she's like, oh, it's a friend. I trust them. We're gonna have her over the house and she's gonna give us a reading. So I was like, all right, what's the harm? It's gonna be fun. Um, so first of all, the psychic didn't want to do us together. She wanted us alone separately. So I was like, all right. So I go in the room first. And she is doing some kind of meditation thing to get into her zone. And the second she does it, I feel a tight pulling on my heart and my chest and tears start streaming down my face. And I say to her, do you see what's happening to me right now? What is this? And she's like, oh, someone in your family must have had a heart attack. I said, nobody in my family died from a heart attack something's going on in me right now. Mm. In retrospect, a demon either entered me or entered the room. Wow. Yeah, but it was very real. And so she she went on with her psychic reading. Nothing stood out. Nothing really, there was no revelation. And that night we go to bed and keep in mind, it's right around a full moon and right around Halloween, of course. And that <laughs> night, <laughs> I'm having I'm having a dream where in the dream, I'm demon-possessed and I'm kind of like skulking around the room. And then all of a sudden, in real life, I wake up and I'm like kind of hovering over her with my hands. Yeah. And she wakes up screaming, like, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. But I was just having a dream that I was demon-possessed. And we felt something in the room with us. And it's like 3.30 a.m. in the morning at this point. And we're like, we have to get out of the house right now. We felt threatened. Like something in the room hated us. Yeah. And basically that psychic invited something into the house. It stuck with me personally because I started to become heavily drinking again. Mm. You know, starting the morning drinking again, like that wasn't really my myself. It was something possessing me to do that. Yeah. And I became unhappy with her. I said, I don't want to be in this anymore. Um, I started to date another guy who was getting off of hard drugs. So I started to become attracted to 
this kind of spirit. And one night sleeping over his house, I had a sleep paralysis. And when I woke up, my body couldn't move and I couldn't speak, but I heard some kind of low gurgling tongue next to me. And it was very audible, clearly audible. And I looked it up and it said that I had a visitation from a demon, Mm. which is true both in the Christian world and the new age world. Yep. Yep. But I was kind of ignoring it and just kind of blaming it on him. Like, oh, you know, you had hard drugs in this place. That's why. Yeah. So, yeah. So eventually I break up with him and now I'm going through, now we're fast forwarding to 2022, last year, right? The beginning of last year. And I'm going through this phase where I meet someone, I get passionate. I'm sick of them. They drained me. I meet someone else. I'm in love. I want to marry them. Ah, they drain me. I'm sick of them. (laughs) And it's just like, I'm going through relationship addiction at this point. Yeah. And I started to hit a rock bottom during the summer of last year, where again, I was living this free life, doing whatever I pleased. And for some reason, the more I did whatever I pleased my way, the more empty it made me. Wow. And there was a blurred line between pain and pleasure at this point. So I started to seek help. I thought, well, maybe I have a drinking problem and it's affecting my mental, um, you know, giving me a mental disorder or something. So I tried going to AA and it felt very weird being in a church, but something felt right about it. But I kind of, I just brushed it off and I said, you know what? I don't really feel like an alcoholic. I just feel like an empty hole of a person. So I tried therapy after that. And the therapist was a Christian. And she said to me, do you go to church? And I said, no. And it annoyed me so much that she asked me this because it had nothing to do with therapy, (laughs) in my opinion. But This is how God uses his people with little things because those words, again, it kept playing on repeat in my mind. And I'm like, well, you know what? Why don't I go to church? Maybe this is a sign that I just have to try a local church. So I go to a local church and of all the messages in the world that could be preached on, he's preaching on what does God think about? psychics, astrology, tarot cards. And I was like, all right, God, I hear you. Just like the first time you went to church, it was exactly what you needed to hear. Um, So round two of that, he's calling you home. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was having an epiphany and I went to the beach and I'm just thinking about Jesus. I'm like, how could I not have realized this whole time I was missing Jesus? And I was thinking about how deceived I've been for years and not audibly saying it to me, but to my heart, God was saying, I was with you throughout that whole time. Mm. And and now you're back. And I was just like, oh, wait. Right. You know. But now here's the difference. I didn't want to give everything up right away. Yeah. I wanted to still, I wanted to like merge my spirituality with Christianity Mm-hmm. But God showed me, he revealed to me, his way is better than my way. Okay. So how did he do that? 
So how he did that was I got rid of all my new age stuff except for my crystals. And I said a prayer over my crystals. I said, I, you know, these are free from all evil spirits in the name of Jesus. This is just a decoration now. Mm-hmm. So a few nights go by and I am having a dream of just like a black background with two red eyes staring at me, staring at me. And I wake up to this voice coming out of me and it was like, like some kind of deep, not my voice. It was not my voice, but it was coming out of me. And I definitely felt something in the room with me. And I realized I was more in awe than I was scared because God was revealing to me that there was a spiritual fight for my soul Mm. and that the enemy was so angry that I was coming back to Jesus and starting to shed all these worldly things. And I said, wow, there is a spiritual warfare going on right now and I need deliverance. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. The chills everywhere again. Wow. So, so basically a demon spoke out of me and woke me up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And the next day I cleaned house. I got rid of all my crystals, yeah. everything. Um, and I started researching what is deliverance and mm-hmm. how Christians and anyone can have like oppression and be demonized, you know? So this led me to a church that practiced deliverance. And when I would go there, it was just like a shaking kind of weeping. Like I never had anything crazy like throwing up or like that happened to me, but I began to seek God hard at this point. And it made me more radical, if anything. Oh yeah, I get that. Yeah. You now know what's at stake, you know, and for me, I had to see the dark side too, you know, to realize that I needed Jesus. Um, And I don't know, I just know like the point, like a big reason I share my testimony too is so other people don't have to go through that and end up in the devil's lair like that, like we did. Um, But for some reason, like for some reason, like us super curious, super rebellious, sometimes we just, we have to go there to see it, to know why we need him. So, and then that does make us more radical because once we know, it's like, you just like know it in your bones that you need him for your protection, your salvation, your sanity, everything. So, so since then, there's been a shift of craving. I used to crave alcohol and sex and and all these things. And now the craving has gone towards Mm. what God desires, like getting into the word, getting involved in the church. And I've just noticed such a pruning of the way that I was to how I am now. And it continues. That's so good. This happened last year. Yeah, right. So it's really just feels like six months ago. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. God is so good. And he's already done so much. Like, like you said, I mean, it just, it happens so quickly when we give him everything, like he, he uses it and 
things happen quickly. So I just, I'm so inspired by that. Um, and I do have, I do have a question about that too. And, and that would be, I guess, going back to the one I asked you is like, what is he, what is he teaching you now? Like, how is he revealing himself to you now in this moment? Um, what are you learning about the Christian walk now at this time? Oh, well, the first thing I'll say is uh, in Exodus, God says, I am the Lord who heals. Mm. And he has been healing me on a heart level and in a mental level. Like people who struggle with anxiety need to hear this, that when your mind is racing and your thoughts are controlling, the Holy Spirit can heal that. Mm. And I'm having these mental breakthroughs of ways I used to limit myself. For example, I used to not be into having female friends. I had a thing against it. Yeah. And, and and God spoke to my heart, get involved with the females at your church, join a woman's group. And now I can't wait to go to this group. Mm -hmm. So he he's pushing me out of my boundaries, out of my self-limiting beliefs. And I'm I'm healing in so many ways and blossoming into this this beautiful person that I thought I was a disgusting dirtbag sinner. You know, I didn't even believe in God anymore. How dare I? But he's redeemed me in such a way and taking gifts I have like singing. And now I join the worship team. Now I want to record my original music and, and just see what God does with that. That's so, that's so good. And then the second part, since you are like still fresh out of this, so I'm like three years, I've been saved about three years. And like you said, like the worldly desires, the things you used to desire to fill the voids with, the closer you get to God, the more your desires begin to align with his, where, you know, instead of desiring to drink, you desire to spend time in the word. Instead of desiring to go out and sleep around, you desire to get involved in the women's studies and, you know, be at church. And I totally relate to that. Um, and then on the same token, sometimes, sometimes I feel like spiritually, emotionally weak where like, it's like, it's not as strong. It's not an overpowering craving or thought, but like, sometimes I still struggle um, with certain things. And that's what's led me to going to celebrate recovery at my church. So I feel like just a message of, you know, like he's continuing to redeem me and sanctify me. Um, and I no longer like impulsively fill those voids. Like I used to just impulsively like, Oh, I want to do this, go out, do it. Now it's like, I don't destroy myself anymore the way I used to with like filling those voids with those things. Now it's like, I get the craving, but I have the tools and resources within God's kingdom to go out and like mend those wounds or fill those pains um, by getting around fellow believers who are like walking in similar struggles as well. So I don't know if you can relate to that, like ever feeling a desire, like sometimes things get hard and it's become less over the past year, but I used to still desire to like get drunk. Like I wanted to get drunk, numb out. Life is stressful. Things are hard over the past year. I, like, it's amazing that God has redeemed me from so much of that. Um, I no longer have a job I hate and my my marriage is, you know, growing and getting stronger. So like, I don't have that urge as much anymore, but I don't know if you ever still experience that. And then if you've built up like the tools 
for what to do when you do experience that? Uh, Definitely. Especially if I've had a very long, exhausting day at work, Mm -hmm. that that thought comes into my mind. And I know it's not a thought from God. Mm. Um, It doesn't happen often, but I will say a few weeks ago, I definitely slipped. And I, I did some binge drinking and I felt so disgusted with myself after it wasn't the same as it used to be. Yes. Like I really felt like I, like when a dog goes back to its vomit kind oh of feeling. My gosh. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to go through a season of learning that, you know, and, and I think God is just so proud that we're continuing to learn and grow, you know, <laughs> like he's not yeah. mad at us when that happens. Yep. And I will say for myself, the tools that he has given me to not do that again is I'm a very creative person and I stay busy with songwriting, with making YouTube videos, with getting mm-hmm. into Bible studies. And that that is my tool, you yeah. know, and it's all to glorify him and yeah. to just stay stay focused on him and doing his work. It keeps me from that and also getting into service. Mm-hmm. So I told you I just joined the worship team. Now I just joined the greeting team at church also. So like, I'm looking for ways to stay busy with the Lord's work. And this all adds accountability too. like the more and especially the online presence you're growing, like the more you build yourself up in this, it's like people kind of they expect you to be doing the right things. And so you feel that responsibility as someone who's becoming a mature believer in Christ that other people are looking to you. Um, And if you stumble, it's no longer just a, oh, I stumbled. It's now a risk for all these people who are looking up to you. Um, It's a a risk for them to be a stumbling block as well. So yeah, you feel that responsibility the more you do get involved. Absolutely. And I don't want to ruin my testimony either and take away from the power of what God's doing in my life. Yeah. Especially because that's already happened to you once before, like it's been stolen, like your life was stolen back away from you already once before. So I feel like you're going to hold on to it. Like with everything you have this time. You're exactly right. Yeah. No going back now. Oh my gosh. Well, Sarah, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? All I would like to say is this is the narrow path. It, it doesn't promise rainbows and sunshines but it promises a peace that surpasses all human understanding. It's the, the joy of just being alone with Christ sets the foundation for everything else in your life to take off. Mm. And it will be a struggle sometimes, but it's, it's the best struggle. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, I'd love to have you leave a review, share it with a friend, and even connect with me on other platforms. It's at Michaela Nikolenko on Instagram and TikTok. And we also have an at Raised and Redeemed Instagram account too. I look forward to connecting with you there. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.